All right, good evening and welcome. It's the Independence Gang. I'm your host, JV, along with co-host Britt Griffith. We've got guest panelists tonight, Vince and Rich. You've seen both of them before. Welcome, guys. Somebody's got some audio on. Is that me? Who is that? Hey, thank you to everybody who jumped over to the Rumble account and uh, subscribed over there as we were talking about last night. And we're going to get into this a little bit later in the show, uh, but we are being somewhat throttled on YouTube already. I, you know, the program is a month old and we're already uh, seeing the effects of uh, uh, censorship and uh, the, the quelling of uh, voices that don't agree with the party line, if you will. And that's a bit of a problem, but we have created a Rumble account. And if we get totally cut off on YouTube, that's where you'll find us. So, um, you know, keep looking, keep paying attention. But if we disappear under the cover of darkness, you know what happened. Hey, hey, everybody in the chat. Thanks for being here tonight. Appreciate you joining us. We've got a lot to get to. So let's get right into this. I want to uh, open this up by talking about what is going on again in Minneapolis. Now, it's not enough that... The uh, Derek Chauvin trial is underway, and that is just a sticky situation all the way around. You want justice to prevail, but you have to be concerned about mob rule, and everyone is. So the city of Minneapolis and the surrounding area have been somewhat preparing for uh, whatever the eventual outcome of that trial is, knowing that probably regardless of which way it goes, there'll be some type of unrest. Well, that unrest came early after another young black man was shot by and killed by police. Uh, but the but the details of this thing are very, very murky still. And we have the body cam footage of the police officer that actually fired this fatal shot and let's watch it and then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what the details are that we know at this point now this is a bit graphic it's a bit chaotic so i'll apologize ahead for that um but we i think it's important that we watch it all right so there's a lot happening in that clip there, and what you see is a um, a suspect being taken out of the car, uh, being arrested because he has a warrant. It was a traffic stop, but he's they find out that he's got an, a warrant out for his arrest. So they are trying to put him in the cuffs, and as they're doing that, he gets back into the driver's seat and uh, tries to speed off. The female officer, whose body cam we're watching there, uh, pulls out what she thinks is her taser. She fires the taser, what she thinks is the taser, at the suspect, and it turns out to be her service uh, gun, and she ends up uh, hitting him um, with that, and it ends up killing him, ultimately. Um, it's a terrible tragedy all the way around, but I do want to point out a couple of things. This was a female officer. He was being arrested by a black officer, yet uh, you know we have protests, riots, and looting overtaking the city of Minneapolis and the surrounding area as a result of this. Um, Vince, this is a tough one. You know, nobody wants to see anything like this, but there's a lot to be determined here yet. But my first question about this particular incident is how much responsibility does the media bear? Does the uh, protests from the summer bear when they, you know, were shouting defund the police, kill the police, you know, all the anti-police rhetoric that has been thrown around since uh, the George Floyd incident. 
you know, at what point does that message make people not take police seriously? Yeah, I, I think I think you uh, you were spot on when you said this is just a, a tragic, horrific uh, incident that happened, and and certainly you can the one thing you can you can see from that footage is the situation certainly got out of control uh, almost on both sides. Um, listen, I, our police officers, anyone in law enforcement, they have a very difficult job to begin with. It's a stressful job. It's 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 life threatening at times, uh, sometimes too often, and now you you put them in a situation because of the you know the, the scrutiny that the media has really put on them it's got to make it tenfold in terms of the stress and uh, the responsibility that the, these these folks have on them and you know like with any kind of profession sometimes things could go wrong the problem is there's such a microscope because of and i and i blame i i blame the media coverage uh, more than I even uh, blame the riots from last summer because, yeah, the riots got out of hand. I mean, we all I'm sure you agree that peaceful protesting is okay, but certainly uh, what has happened is it's, it's created this this environment where uh, even even a, even a, a situation like this that goes well is now scrutinized to the point where it's almost. I believe I believe the law enforcement officers can't get a fair shake. And, and here, like you said, you have a, 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 such an unfortunate situation and it couldn't have happened at a worse time, at a worse place. Uh, it's just, it's unbelievable actually how this actually all happened. And I think, you know, on any other day in any other place in the world, this is just, a, it's an unfortunate, tragic incident. But now it's going to become a, a lot more and much more than that. And sadly, you're right. Um, you know, again, this officer mistakenly, according to what the footage shows and what the reports afterward are, mistakenly drew her service gun instead of the taser, fired it. And when she realized what she had done, she ended up dropping the revolver. Um, I'm not going to judge or comment on the training of officers, but it seems to me, I guess I am going to comment. It seems to me that uh, there's a training issue there that needs to be addressed. Rich, um, you know, but one of the things you have to have to say here. This suspect was pulled out of the car. He had a, had a warrant for his arrest or whatever. That, I don't even know how the legal ease of that is, but he had a warrant. Uh, they were putting him in handcuffs. He jumps in the car and tries to run. I mean, part of this you know, responsibility falls on these suspects. First of all, don't commit crimes if you don't want to have situations where you're going to get, you might have a police officer make a mistake. Secondly, don't run or resist arrest. Don't run from the police. That can't work out well. Um, you know, how much of the blame falls on the suspect here? And this is a tough question, I know. Well, I am an active duty law enforcement officer, so I can kind of give you a play-by-play -play on what went right and what went wrong about this uh, traffic stop. As far as the, uh, yeah, it's, it's, well, it's always on the suspect, uh, how the uh, how the stop goes. Well, almost always, 99.9% .9 of the time. He They pulled him over because of a, uh, registration issue. Perfectly valid reason to pull somebody over. All right, regardless of their color. And judging from the tint of the windows, I, I would wager a guess that they didn't even know what this gentleman was uh, African American. Once they get up to the window, they find out probably the first question is, are you the registered owner of this vehicle? If he says yes, that's already come back uh, through their their registration checks that uh, this individual or the registered owner has a warrant out for his arrest for whatever reason. 
at that time they take him out of the vehicle the first thing that officer should have done is move him away from the open driver's side door all right because that's a big danger area one he has access to get back in the vehicle and if he does have a weapon it's likely stored in that driver's side compartment somewhere the where it falls on the uh the, the his cover agent or his cover officer yes uh, we, we do go through training and there are certain uh policy points that we have to we cannot store that taser anywhere near our strong side or our gun side okay and they've gone even a step further because some officers would store it up there up here on their vest their ballistic vest but they've gone even further now you has to has to be past the center line of the body so you have to make an overt motion to reach across and grab that whether it's on your belt or on your vest all right so that there's no mistaking the two um so she's going to be judged on that uh that's whether that's whether they didn't have that policy to store it right the opposite side of the body or she just didn't have a, enough training enough repetition with that device to make that you know almost instinctual grabbing that taser versus the firearm and just a quick follow-up to you, uh, Rich. So what you've just said there, there's at least two mistakes that occurred in that particular traffic stop. One is the officer should have moved him away from that door so that he didn't have an opportunity to get back in that seat or grab a weapon or whatever. And secondly, this officer that fired the, the weapon that killed this man um, clearly either didn't have enough training or just panicked in the moment. Whatever it happens to be, obviously she's at fault of something there. Is that what you're saying? Right. She obviously made a mistake. The contact officer made a mistake in how he handled that subject once he got him out. But, you know, having having a warrant out for something like that is usually pretty uh, par for the course. And yes, of course, the subject himself is partially to blame because he decided to run. I mean, of course, he didn't expect to get shot, but he yeah. had to expect some kind of escalation of force. And the fact that it always ends up in an escalation of force that surprises everybody. It just it blows my mind. What do you expect to happen? Right. Britt, is this the new normal? Um, anytime, you know, there's any type of anomaly in policing, particularly when it's involving a minority subject or a minority suspect, is the new normal to just destroy the city you live in, loot all the stores, uh, you know, take as much crap you can out of the store home because you deserve it? Is this, is, is this what we've boiled uh, our civilization down to? Well, I mean, if you look at uh, the basic of animal nature, this is it. So we're, we're reverting back to the caveman days. Strong man wins. Um, there's a lot of things going on here in our society. We are a sick society right now. We're a sick country. We're tail spinning. We got a lot of weird things going on. Um, you know, this, this, this thing with officers inadvertently grabbing their service revolver over taser, this actually happens. It's happened a few times here in Southern California over the years. Uh, the most famous one is the uh, sheriff, the LA sheriff officer that shot the homeless guy on the on the uh, our subway platform uh, in Long Beach, grabbed his gun instead of his taser by accident. Uh, this stuff happens. High stress happens. Here's the other thing we got to think about: bigger picture. Uh, Minneapolis, they have had a mass exodus of officers, experienced officers, good officers, officers that are sharp and. Uh, make everybody else be better around them, train them, teach them, encourage them. And they're hiring, for lack of better words, scabs. 
They're trying to fill. They're trying to backfill now because they realize, oh, we need our police. So now they're <laughs> backfilling. It's going to be interesting to see where this officer came from, what what uh, the training is she has. How, is she a rookie or has she been around a while? What is what is in her jacket of past problems? Um, there's a lot that goes into this. And then, of course, you obviously can look at the suspect. But I will tell you this right now. I'm a white guy. I work in downtown L.A. The minority communities of L.A., Compton, Linwood, Bell Gardens, etc. I get stopped at a minimum once a month because I'm a white guy in a black neighborhood or a white guy in a Mexican neighborhood because they think I'm looking to buy drugs or pick up hookers. And they'll <laughs> well, come up the cops. It happens. Well, you know, <laughs> or, or ponies and hookers, you know. But but, but it happens to me. I, I have experienced experience this about once a month where they'll, I'll get pulled over and they'll say, uh, you know, your, your uh, rearview mirror is uh, kind of blocked a little bit by the stuff in the back of your truck. What are you doing here? Hmm. Well, I, I work over there. Oh, and, and they literally strip my truck tear everything out of my truck, looking for drugs, looking for anything. This happens to me, and I am a 51-year-old white guy. So, because I'm in the wrong hood. So, I get, I, I can sympathize with these minorities who are just constantly harassed, but, you know, I owe, yes, sir, no, sir, I'll sit on the curb, do your thing, I get it, okay, just please don't break anything. And for the most part, they don't break anything, but I still have to put my goddamn truck together. It sucks. So what you're saying so I, is, I, I get that. I get this, I get this weird angst. I, I I understand this this rub that happens. I get it because I've experienced it. This kid, if he would have just said, "Oh God, yes, sir, no, sir," but then you look at his rap sheet. It's a mile long. He's got all the photos of being in a gang. I mean, he's a he's a gangbanger. It's what he does. This this interaction. He should just go. Okay, he was literally out on a no cash bail uh, no cash bail for aggravated armed robbery. So he should have known, I'm not going to go to jail. Okay, do your thing, officer, whatever. I'm just, okay, because I'm going to be out the next day. Okay, well, all right, all right. so that brings up another question, Vince. You know, we've seen this bail reform uh, around the country, starting, I think, in New York, where they're letting criminals out, no bail. They, they consider bail to be some type of form of racism or oppression or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so now you've got, you just set up a situation. I mean, there's so many little things that set this up to be the disaster it turned out to be. Bell reform, bell reform has to be one of them then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, bail, the problem with bail reform, and especially how we're seeing it playing out in New York, is you're, you're, having, you're having multiple offenders that are getting back out on the streets very easily. And if you ask anyone in, in law enforcement, I've had several people tell me, if, if someone has committed a serious crime, it's very often that it's not the serious crime that you end up picking them up on. It's a, it's a lesser crime that they get picked up on, and then they're able to, to find you know connect the dots, if you will, and find out that this is the person that that committed the other crime. Or even worse, what we're seeing in New York is while they're out on on without bail, while they're out because of the the crime, they're committing other crimes. And here, like I'm sure several other places across the country, it's it's. It, I almost don't want to call it unintended consequences, but I'm, I'll say that that's what it is for lack of anything else. It's the unintended consequences that come where we they go too far with it. They go too far with it. And there's this whole list of, of laws that, that you're getting out of jail for where you should be spending some time or at least being held. Uh, so you can't go out and commit another crime, especially when it's these, these folks that have, have long uh, rap sheets and, uh, and are, are repeat offenders. So. Right. It, it and 
and and to go along with this, I believe a lot of this is also our leadership in the, the political world and even the media world. And I'm going to kind of shift gears here a little bit to Gretchen Whitmer's top aide. She literally just got caught down in Florida. Now, this is Gretchen Whitmer's top aide that is helping her uh, articulate out the policy of you're not to go anywhere. COVID, lockdown, stay in your, all the peasants need to stay in, her, in their houses. And what surfaces from this last week is that she's down in Florida, no mask, partying like a rock star, living normal life. And this stuff comes out. Uh, Rich, I, I'm curious if this, if, if this rules for thee but not for me is ever going to set in with the masses. Are the masses ever going to finally look at our, 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 our rulers, for lack of better words, and go no more? Well, that's that's a real question. I mean, how we've we've been sort of, I don't know, trending towards a uh, a compliant society, you know, who prefer safety over liberty. You know, and that's that's really it. As long as uh, as long as they do what they're told, no one's going to bother them. They can go about their lives such as it is their life. Uh, and COVID is kind of like this uh, this issue with. Uh, the police and making vehicle stops or getting into uh, violent confrontations with suspects. It's all through the lens of the media. I personally hold the media accountable for all of this. I mean, politicians are going to be politicians. They're going to lie. They're going to do what they, they need to do to pander to certain, certain uh, classes in society or certain uh, segments of society. They're always going to do that. They've always done that. They will continue to do that. It's the lens of the media and how all this is painted is how the society will ultimately accept it. You know, COVID is a great example. I mean, they, they, they made COVID out to be the, the bubonic plague for, you know, and it scared the hell of a lot, out of a lot of people. Yeah. COVID COVID became a very convenient tool that popped up. So Vince, so, so this age, she gets, she gets caught, whatnot. And then her response back, is that is that uh, you know she she admits that oh the photos are accurate I was down in Florida uh, but uh, but this is a Breitbart article it's a partisan hack from a garbage white nationalist website so my question my question Vince is is it's accurate it's truthful but I'm gonna still call you a white nationalist rag hack racist go hide under a rock you you don't you're not worthy to be on this platform with us learned people. So our politicians and their staffers are just going to keep lying to the masses. How? How do? At what point do the masses clue in? This is this is a great example of don't don't hate the player, hate the game, right? It's it's so <laughs> much easier when you know you you this this aide knows she's lost the argument. She knows she's dead wrong. So what do you do? Let's change the argument, you know. And and this is what they do. They're gonna they they blame the you know it's it's racist. It's uh it's anti-Semitic. It's uh it's in this case, you know, they're it's a white nationalist publication, you know, uh, for whatever reason she says that. She totally changes the argument. And that's and that's, you know, that's the uh, skillful art of of the news these days. We're going to argue it on on our terms and not the, the the merits of any of the argument that they're talking about. Um you know, I just I find it I find it all too common that that's what they're doing. And, and you know, I mean, for for the last four years, what what has the left done when they've gotten themselves in trouble? They just scream Trump 
and everybody on the the left all comes to their uh, their defense and they start screaming and and now we're arguing over Trump again. We're not arguing over uh, any exactly. of the actual uh, substance of, of of what the argument is. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. But obviously exactly. they're so conditioned to do it. They're going to keep doing it now. They're going to keep doing it. They just don't have Trump to do it with. Exactly, and they're going to keep trying to do it because they're trying to make money. JV, so so this is happening, and the media, if this since we just brought up Trump, if this was you know a Trump aide. With the, the media, this would be wall to wall, twenty four seven. But but because it's a Democrat, the media's hands off. They're not. I mean, this should this should get a WTF blasting from the media. Is the media ever going to figure come around? Will the media ever hold them accountable? All right. Well, I'm going <laughs> to. We have asked that you question. Well, yeah, no, but we've <laughs> asked asked that question probably more than we've asked all other questions combined on this program already because it's the most frustrating point of all of this. Vince already referenced the media. Uh, Rich referenced the media. Much of this, almost all of this, is exacerbated and in many ways fabricated by the media narrative. And 90% of the media is leaning, not even leaning, they're fully on one side of this argument. They have an agenda. I'm not quite sure that the people reporting on these things even realize there's a difference. I don't think they understand that they're wrong. It's not like they're sitting there plotting, saying we're going we're gonna to push the left agenda. They don't see... They don't see any other agenda. They think that's it. That's the way it's going to be. That's the right way to go. And anybody else who disagrees or offers something else is a whack job. That's the way they view it. They're a product of a public education system that has taught them that. They're a product of a secondary education system that has taught them that and a higher learning system that has taught them that. And now they get these menial reporter jobs and they practice it. And um, so to answer your question... There's no way they're going to change. There's no way that it's going to be any different. Bias against conservatives and Republicans has not uh, been uh, questioned for 30 or 40 years, maybe longer. But the bottom line is it just continues to get worse. It doesn't get better. And, and as we've pointed out several times, it, what it does, it makes us pigeonhole ourselves. We, we form our own bubbles. I watch Fox News because I don't get as pissed off watching Fox News as when I watch CNN and I just want to throw things at my television because they're such morons. Almost every one of them on there is a complete idiot from my perspective. And uh, I don't see any changing of that. I don't see that changing at all. Yeah, there there is a there is a, a study a poll that was done extensively. This is about six seven months ago, um, but basically, if you are self described as liberal, you get ninety percent of your news from liberal sources, about ten percent from right of center sources. If you're an independent, it's kind of evenly split. But if you're if you if you're self described as conservative, you're getting about sixty percent from conservative sources and 40% from liberal sources. So it's almost like the right of center people have a much better view of what's going on. And we understand what the left is doing, but the left has absolutely no clue what we're thinking because they, like you, JV, you might be classified as a 90-10-er. Um, the left only wants to hear their, their left type news so they don't have to be angry and throw shit. And I think that is what's driving this divide. And I don't know how we fix that. Well, you don't, we don't. Like and, and stop. And we got to stop talking about fixing it because it's not going to be any fix to it. What we have to do is just try to get our message out 
and do it any way we can. And hopefully people along the way, I mean, there are enough people that voted for Donald Trump. You have to think there are enough people that see through this garbage. Hopefully uh, we can tilt the scale and tilt the balance to the point where we can stop this madness. I want to dovetail into this a little bit because uh, Josh Hawley, who's a senator from Missouri, unveiled a truth or excuse me, a trust busting for the 21st Century Act. This is an effort to go after big tech. Now, we know big tech is part of this triad of, uh, of the problem. You've got the Democrats in the government, you've got the, uh, the, the mainstream media, and then you have big tech. And they're all working together to silence one side, which would be our side, and we're experiencing that firsthand, which we're going to talk about. Um, silence one side, promote the other side, and, and run interference for the, other, for, the, for the left, for the Democrats. But in this particular legislation, Hawley says this, and I find this really, really accurate. He says a small group of woke mega corporations controls the products Americans can buy, the information Americans can receive, and the speech Americans can engage in. These monopoly powers control our speech, our economy, our country, and their control has only grown because Washington has aided and abetted their quest for endless power. Um, one of the things that we struggle with, Vince, here as conservatives and Republicans is that we believe in a free market. And we believe in the capitalist system. However, well, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to tell you what I think, but is this different? Well, it's probably different uh, to the point where uh, I'm, I'm sure none of the companies that uh, Mr. Hawley's going after probably contributed to his, uh, his uh, campaign at all. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's the fine line between uh between companies who are, you know, working uh, in the capitalist market, and those that are crossing the line and becoming becoming political in whether it's their their product development or their you know their their uh, their social endeavors that they're that they're doing through their companies or something like that, there certainly is this this change, if you will, where all of a sudden. Uh, and it's it's tough to understand where the pressure really comes from. Is it the media pressure? Is it is it political pressure? Um, or do these? I, I find it hard to believe that these companies have some sort of demographic research that says if we if we alienate uh, forty or fifty percent of the uh, of the of the consumer market based on ideology, that this can be helpful to for sales for their product. And I, I just I don't understand it. So. I believe this comes from some sense of it's almost like a, a skewed sense of like social involvement that these companies believe they have. And it's crossed a line to where it's gotten into uh, certainly not something that I would call, uh, you know, anything in line with any kind of capitalist or democracy or, 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 or like that. So it's it's a I find it to be a very interesting dichotomy that even businesses would even entertain to get to get so political. Britt Holly also says that the robber barons of the modern era that are determining elections, banning inconvenient political views, lining politicians' pockets with hundreds of millions of dollars, and addicting our kids to screens. How much of this argument would be valid if Facebook, Google slash YouTube, Twitter, uh, and maybe even Amazon just kept their fingers out of the politics of all of this? Didn't censor one side or the other. All that, you know, maybe censor... Uh, pornography or, or, you know, the traditional things that should be censored, but stopped silencing uh, political views that they disagree with. How much of this conversation would be happening right now if that wasn't happening? 
Um, I am pretty confident that none, none of this would be happening. We, we, we would still be, you know, trucking along as a great country, strong country, clashing of ideas, coming together, um, uh, uh, you know, having our debates on the, on the floor and we would figure it out and then we move forward just like it used to happen in, in the old days between, you know, uh, Newt Gingrich and, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill, uh, JFK and, oh, I'm forgetting who his speaker of the house was, you know, they hash it out, they yell at each other on the floor, and then at the end of the night, they figure it out, and they come together, and they get a bill through. Um, but here's, you know, along with what we're talking about, these CEOs, JV, I mean, we just had this meeting uh, the other day. A hundred CEOs, a hundred CEOs of the biggest companies got together on a conference call, and it was orchestrated by some leftist uh, organization. But, I mean, this is like Coca-Cola, uh, Chase, um, uh, Citicorp, uh, big, big, big companies, UPS, they're there and they're, they're, they are going to focus their energies on the voting laws. So the Georgia law changed, the Iowa law changed, the other law, you know, they're going to, how can they, how can they shape those, those policies? Like literally they're talking about pulling plants out, pulling, uh, you know, money that they're going to send into a state to expand. Them. They're not going to do it. They're not going to fund any politicians in those states. They're going to pull back on their donations. So this this right here, this right here, corporations and government working together is fascism. This is the literal definition of fascism, corporations and politicians working together. And it's happening right in front of our eyes. And what, just remind me, which power party is in power? That would be the Democrats. Yes, thank you. Um we don't have to speculate as to what's happened to the media landscape over the past 20 years since the introduction of things like Facebook and Twitter. And, and that has really been the undermining of our information flow. When you get to a point where 80, 90 percent of all information is is uh, throttled by a single company. And I'll say I'll, I'll use Google as the primary offender of this. You go to the, you go to search something you know, most nine times out of 10 people are using Google. They pop in. Uh, you know, I want to know what Joe Biden said about gun control, whatever it happens to be. The the the, the list they're going to get is going to be determined by what Google wants you to see first. And in some cases, other uh, dissenting opinion, you won't see at all. But certainly the first couple of pages are going to be tailor-made by Google's political thought as to what Google wants you to read, which want, what's want, what want, they want you to see. Now, when we had a nation filled of newsrooms in television stations, newsrooms in radio stations, and newsrooms in newspapers all over the country, when we had all those diverse people working in the media, we had places to go where we could get differing opinions. But when one company controls the spigot, Rich, that is a monopoly. And when it comes to information flow in a democracy, it's beyond any type of monopoly than we have ever seen in our history. Yeah, like Britt said, and uh, actually I picked up, I was listening to Andrew Clavin podcast last week, and he laid it out exactly as Britt did, that this combination of uh, corporate interventional or interventionism, if that's even a word, and um, coinciding with de the control of, you know, Democrats are uh, trying to place on the American people, that that is, in fact, fascism. Um. It's, I tell you what, it's going to turn a cold civil war into a hot one real quick uh, when you start seeing companies pulling plants and workers and not, you know, 
just not operating in states where uh, you have you know elected leaders that they disagree with ideologically you know where they're where they're in power it's it's I don't know. My 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 brain is exploding at this point. They're seeing uh, this this sort of thing happen. It's unbelievable that it's happening in this country. And if you had you know sent if anybody in, who was politically aware forty years ago had woken up you know gone into like some cryogenic suspension and woken up today, they would not believe what's happening politically in this country. I want to point out one more thing since we're talking about tech uh, monopolies and abuse. Uh, and we brought this up last night when Britt and I did a uh, did our Sunday leftovers program. But um, we have been throttled. We were uh, on a nice growth curve. We were gaining a lot of subscribers on our YouTube channel. People were enjoying the program. And long about the 8th of April, so how many days ago now? Four days ago, it all came to a screeching stop. Uh, screeching stop. You can see right here that on the 8th of April, we only had one new subscriber, and we have not had one since. Now, somebody tells me we may have had one in the last hour or so, but YouTube found us to be threatening. I'm not so sure. You know, I don't know what words we used that that maybe uh, have tripped the the circuit breaker on us. I don't know what what word I put in the title of one of these videos. I don't know what it was, but something did it. And this can't be a nation of ideas and a nation of thought if um, if if the people who are controlling the flow of in, that information are so quick to silence one side. And that's what's happening here. So I will point out again that we have started a rumble channel. So if we go dark on this channel on YouTube at any time, you will be able to find us on Rumble. We will continue doing the program there. Um, let's move on. Brett, I don't know if you have something there you want to go to or you want me to continue. Yeah, no, I, I got something that's been, been um, uh, again, it, it, it's again, it's at the just how our media reports and whatnot. But it's about your favorite governor, Andrew Cuomo. I know that you voted for him twice, maybe three times, because that's what you do in New York. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I've noticed that uh, – so so I read this report, this, this uh, author, and he, he really anal broke down Andrew Cuomo and his scandals he's got going on right now, the nursing home and the sexual scandal. And the, the media, the big media outlets, they have spent 15 minutes and 35 seconds on the nursing home scandal, which you know killed over 12,000 people by his direct order. Um, Versus the sexual harassment accusation, which they've spent 44 minutes and 14 seconds. So my question, my question, I'm going to go with you, Rich. My question to you is why, why has the media decided to push the nursing home away? Oh, and one other important fact, the nursing home, the 15 minutes, 35 seconds was over 10 months. So 10 months of, of daily news, only 15 minutes. Uh, the harassment, the sexual stuff was 11 days. They got that 44 minutes in. So my question to you is, why is the nursing home where people actually died not as important as the sexual harassment thing? Well, of course it is. But I, I don't know. You, it would seem that in the media, with a compliant media, it would be easier for Governor Cuomo to defend himself against allegations of sexual abuse more than you know a policy that somebody can go actually go out there and look at the policy they can look at the numbers and they can decide for themselves when it comes to allegations of sexual assault it largely comes down un, un, until there, there's some sort of due process it's largely he said she said so 
they're moving away from something that the viewers can actually, if they care to, look up the numbers, look up the policy and decide for themselves whether he was in the right or the wrong versus, you know, this he said, she said sort of argument. Right. So, Vin, so let me bring it over to you. Do you think that it's possible mm-hmm. that that the that the media has decided that, hey, we get more clicks when we talk about sex and mo- clicks are money and we need that sweet, sweet cash to keep paying ourselves. So we're just going to drop this 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 nursing home thing and go with the sex. Sure. Um, I think you're absolutely correct. I, and also the nursing home scandal is much more difficult to explain, but I'm going to take it one step further. Make no mistake. This is how Andrew Cuomo wants it. Uh, the sexual harassment and the uh, the sexual assault uh, accusations against the against Cuomo are 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 absolutely. And I've I've heard a few things from some insiders that isn't that it's not out in the public yet. It is absolutely abhorrent, and, and it's a it's a clear abuse of power. However, and Andrew Cuomo. Think what you want about him. The one, the one kudu you have to give the guy is he's a political animal, and the one thing that he knows because he's also a lawyer, he knows that most likely within that uh, the sexual harassment allegations, there's nothing criminal. However, the nursing home scandal is criminal. It's absolutely criminal, and there was a cover up and the types of things that people like him down, and we've seen that in New York. It's happened a number of times. Uh, also, just to quickly point out, while the attorney general is spending a lot of time investigating the sexual harassment stuff, and of course, uh, in New York State, for those of you that aren't from New York, AG stands for aspiring governor, uh, because <laughs> we know that the AG is the AG is always looking for that next step to try to become governor, and they can very safely do that. So that's how you know that that's, that's the dog whistle that tells you that that's not the serious investigation, but the U.S. Attorney's Office in a Democratic-controlled White House is investigating the nursing home scandal. That's the, that's the key. So, so yes, I agree. I think the media finds the sexual harassment stuff sexier, but by no means it's being pushed from the top from that administration to make sure that they focus on what they believe isn't a criminal indictment when there's a criminal indictment underneath the whole on the whole uh, uh, nursing home scandal. For sure. Right. So, so JV. So. Uh, bouncing off of what Vince just mentioned, the, the nursing home is a complicated story, but also the nursing home is a much bigger story because other states like Whitmer State, other politicians, governors mm-hmm. did the exact same thing as what Kumo did based on what Kumo said to do. They were following his lead. So is it possible that the media is like, you know what, let's take Kumo out on the sexual stuff and let's downplay this nursing home stuff because we're going to wipe out a bunch of our friends in other states. I love the fact that you call him Kumo because it sounds so much more sinister than Cuomo. Um, That's why I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. Hey, you know, this isn't this isn't difficult. You had, you had a governor who just was so damn pompous during the worst outbreak of the COVID uh, virus that the country suffered. Donald Trump set him a hospital ship. Donald Trump set up the Javits Center as a temporary hospital with something like 3,000 beds. And instead of using either, because it would have given Donald Trump some credit during an election cycle, uh, instead of using either of those, he decided to issue an order to send COVID-positive patients back to uh, elder care facilities when we knew at the time that the most vulnerable population was the elder population. Look at what Florida did. Florida protected their elderly. And to and there was far greater success in Florida for for that. Um, you also have a similar situation in Pennsylvania. 
And I wish I could remember the, the, the woman's name who was just confirmed by the Senate to take a serious role in the Biden administration. But she is a transgender individual, and she was the one that was making the decisions for those people, the elder uh, citizens in Pennsylvania. And she pulled her mom out of one of those facilities before ordering those COVID positive patients back in. She wasn't even held accountable when she was accountable for that when she was being appointed to a federal job. I mean, this is craziness. But the you know, the proof is in the pudding here. And one of the things I'm really frustrated with Donald Trump about, he had a lot on his plate trying to figure out this pandemic. There's no question about it. But I kept saying, as I'm yelling at the TV during all of those press conferences he was giving, stand up and say, your first priority is to protect the elder uh, the senior population in this country, and you will do whatever it takes, even uh, you know, issue executive orders, whatever it takes to protect the senior population in New York, in Pennsylvania, in Florida, wherever they are, you that's going to be your highest priority because they're the most vulnerable. And they never did that in the administration, and I think that was a real weakness because I think they could have gotten a lot of credit for that. It was the right thing to do, and it would have gone a long way in, uh, in saving a lot of lives and probably helping him uh, on Election Day. Maybe you might be completely right, but also remember whatever Trump said to do, a lot of the other side of the aisle governors did the exact opposite. Yeah, but that's not the, no. That's why he exercised federal authority to intervene and override those governors. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So then he would be a fascist. Okay, and he would fine, wild but back. save the lives, save the lives, save the lives. That would have been huge. Yeah. Okay. They so called him the fascist fascist. either way. It was, it was he was getting the criticism either way. It didn't matter. Um, I yeah, want to. I, I want to move on right. to because uh, we're again running out of time here. I want to move on to just a quick story here about this uh, infrastructure uh, bill that is being talked about. Uh, Biden has been talking about making this uh, bipartisan, and he invited four Republican lawmakers to the White House. Uh, those lawmakers included Senator Roger Wicker from is it Mississippi, Deb Fisher from Nebraska. Uh, and representatives Don Young from Arkansas and Garrett Graves from Louisiana. I don't know who any of these lawmakers are. Maybe you guys do. But um, what are the chances that any Republicans get swayed by the Biden administration and sign on to this package, Rich? Well, I mean, we saw the uh, we saw a variety of Republicans sign on everything from Trump's impeachment. What uh, one of the things that the media is not reporting on is the fact that there are Democrats in Congress that don't agree with Biden's take on this uh, this infrastructure plan. Uh, Senator Coons, uh, Joe Manchin, have expressed uh, doubts about uh, you know a, a great big two and a half trillion dollar package packing this thing piecemeal and treating infrastructure as infrastructure. You know, it's not childcare is not infrastructure. Uh, you know, ridiculous things like that. So again, this is falls back to how the media reports on this sort of thing. There is there is some disagreement. It's not just all the Democrats are trying to sway, get a few Republicans on board so that they can pass this thing. They're having trouble convincing members of their own party that it's the right thing to do. They, they are. Um, you've got people like Joe Manchin who's saying no. I mean, the thing he's objecting to in this whole package is the corporate income tax uh, being raised from 21% to 28%. Um, the Senate Republican uh, Conference released a memo today condemning Biden's bill as a partisan job-crushing slush fund. Um, 
the broad, even if that goes on to say, even if they include a broad definition of infrastructure that improves, that includes improvements of water systems, power grids, highways, roads, bridges, airports, broadband, and ports, it still only makes up 25% of this total bill. Even with that broad definition of infrastructure, um, there are billions of dollars in this bill proposed to spend on climate change, healthcare, and affordable nursing is this just political theater inviting four republicans to the white house to talk about this vince absolutely because it, it, it wasn't just for four republicans it was four republicans from safe districts and safe seats and safe states and this is all about the political theater it's all about elect uh, electoral politics um you were gonna uh, they're they're looking to create jobs and create their political agenda through this transportation bill in places where it's going to make a difference in the midterm election they need to send those marginal democratic congressmen back to their districts and say look we created these jobs we brought this money back we did xyz we've we we're, we're saving the environment all of the all of the issues that are clearly democratic issues or that work in those swing districts and on the on the flip of that they're going to wedge those Republicans that are in those swing districts, in their own swing districts, uh, to have to make the same kind of commitment or you're you're voting against job creation. And, and if you've noticed, that's one of the one of the pieces that the, the Republicans are already trying to say that this is a job crushing bill because they're going to use it as a job creation bill. And that's going to be the fight. It's all about electoral politics. Brit, they keep toying with the uh, with the definition of the word infrastructure, which I find, you know, again, we've got Democrats now who they don't like the rules. They try to change them. They don't like the definition of the word. They try to redefine the word in your mind. In a quick answer here, what is infrastructure? Well, well, well uh, what is and what I think it should be? I, I think infrastructure should be building me a road to the cabin in the hills that you're going to build me with the infrastructure money. That's my kind of infrastructure. But, you know, here's the deal. If they can't change it by law, they're just going to change the definitions of the words that are within the law to get what they want. They're just going to do whatever they have to do to get what they want. And what do they want? They want money in their bank accounts, uh, however they can grift it and scam it, and they want power. And however they get to, they're going to do whatever they have to do to get to that, and that's lie, cheat, and steal. And that's what's going on, and we're watching it happen. Shouldn't infrastructure be uh, defined as the things that the private sector can't provide you know, that's traditionally been things like roads, bridges, tunnels, schools in well, some fashion, water systems with somebody. Oh, you break. Go ahead. Uh, well, Buttigieg would say that you're a racist then, if that's how you think. <laughs> of course. Of course. So you're a racist. <laughs> of course. Of course. We're going to run out of time here, so I'm going to move forward. I want to talk a little bit about uh, international uh, events that are starting to shape up and line up uh, and, are, and are a bit scary in some cases. Um, Ukraine has estimated that about 80,000 Russian soldiers have amassed on its border. 80,000. In, um, in the lead up to the uh, invasion of the Crimea by the Russians back in 2014, the Obama administration refused to give Ukraine defensive weapons. Trump changed that in 2018 and sold uh, the Ukrainians a number of anti-tank weapons, which are shoulder-fired Javelin missiles that are infrared uh, targeting devices that are purely defensive. And right now the debate is whether Ukraine has the right to use those weapons on their eastern border with Russia if Russia crosses their border. The Biden administration hasn't said a word about this. And in fact, Jen Psaki seems to get a little bit angry 
when this is brought up. It almost appears as though the Biden administration uh, either doesn't want to be bothered with or doesn't have the ability to deal with some of these very, very serious international situations that are developing. Should we be concerned that Biden's not up to this task? Well, yeah, of course we should be. And this isn't the only issue that Jen Psaki doing some serious verbal gymnastics to either, you know, not answer the question or completely change the, the question into something that she can answer. This just is it's just another example of where uh, Trump's style, and I wouldn't even call it interventionalism, where he did the right thing by uh, by some of our uh, foreign allies and, you know, versus uh, drawing down troops, say, in, in Iraq and, you know, against uh, all advice, uh, pulling our troops out of there and then allowing Iraq or uh, uh, ISIS to uh, to flood the region and uh, and wreak havoc um in the way trump uh, handled syria by uh you know rather than sending in thousands and thousands of troops um he handled it you know a little bit differently same way with uh north korea um it's just it's it, by entertaining these questions saki would be sort of highlighting the fact that trump got it right and obama didn't and obama is using <laughs> or uh, Biden is using Obama's playbook, you know, for uh, for lack of a better term. Britt, um, a Kurdish general uh, by the name of Barzani warned in an April 6th interview, um, and that was updated today, actually, that the Islamic State, ISIS, is coming back, quote, with a vengeance in Iraq. Um, oh, yeah. Trump handled ISIS pretty definitively. Uh, I don't think that ISIS necessarily could have uh, rebuilt itself in just a few months of the Biden administration. But again, if they're starting to make themselves be seen publicly and for people to realize they're coming back, then they must be less afraid of uh, retribution from the Biden administration. Yes, they, def they definitely are. We, we are. we are showing a weak hand. Um, I was I was uh, reading a box uh, I was listening to a blog of an insider in Washington D.C. that was running his mouth like we run our mouth complaining on the internet. Um, <laughs> there is a there is a thought process in D.C. If you don't touch it, you can't get blamed for it. So uh, it makes me wonder if the administration realizes that they have a very weak hand, and also you know they don't they don't want to get sucked into a war up there because you know they got other stuff they got to deal with. So if they don't touch it, let it be. Hey, that's on NATO. That's why NATO's there. Let NATO deal with it. So then Joe Biden administration can't get blamed for it. Um, I do believe that they're gonna, we're going to get sucked in anyways. Um, but also, war makes people a lot of money. So let that war happen. We'll fund. We'll, we'll send the weapons in the back door. You know, Iran which war, wait, 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 which war are you talking about? Are you talking now about ISIS or are you talking about Ukraine? Um, I'm, ta I'm talking about both. But right now, specifically, the hands off of is uh, the Ukraine. They don't want to touch it because that is Russia and that can suck us. I mean, especially with what you were talking about the other day, Russia up in the North Pole and all the stuff they're doing up there. We start antagonizing them. Hit the ground. Is that, is that DEFCON 5? What just happened? Uh, <laughs> um, that was I'm just, me. I'm just thinking that – oh, you're fired. Maybe uh, <laughs> maybe somebody within the administration will – realizes that they have they're, they're we're dealing from weakness in that area can i can and, i uh, i want to offer you yeah. a reminder i mean we are again not 100 days into this administration 
And I want to offer you a reminder of what strength sounds like. My policy as Prime Minister of Israel is clear. I will never allow Iran to obtain the nuclear capability to carry out its genocidal goal of eliminating Israel. And Israel will continue to defend itself against Iran's aggression and terrorism. Now, there were reports over the weekend that Iran's uh, nuclear site had its power cut and there were explosions. And Iran has said that uh, Israel is behind this. And the Prime Minister of Israel, obviously Benjamin Netanyahu, just made very clear that they will do whatever ne it's necessary to make sure Israel does not obtain nuclear weapons. There's a bit of a reassurance to hear a strong leader in this world because I don't think there are many left. Vince, welcome back. Yeah, Vince, welcome back. I know you dropped out there Thank for you. a second. Um, yeah, I, it's kind of refreshing thing, to hear some strength. The last thing I heard was... Yeah, the last thing I heard from you is something about Ukraine and Russia and my internet kicked out. So I thought there's no irony there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think and, and what I would what I actually am going to I'm going to uh, take a little liberties with the with which we just heard there. And uh, and I'm going to take it a, a little, another step. I, I find it I find it maybe even more disturbing that um, I, I would find it hard to believe that Israel acted without the knowledge of the United States. And instead of the United States standing with Israel side by side and saying that we are going to do this against Iran, uh, we let Israel take the lead and we're just going to sit back and, and let them do that, um, which is certainly, uh, to your point, anything than taking a strong stand of leadership against a terrorist state. It's, um, it's amazing how quickly we've become accustomed to a leader who not only can't walk up the steps, but uh, really can't stand on a world stage and issue strong statements that are at least coherent. I, there was a report earlier that um, that it's been prohibited for press to take pictures or to video Biden walking up the steps to Air Force One. I researched that. It appears that is not true. But um, when I first read it, the fact the fact that I actually could have believed it when I first read it is is something remarkable to itself. Britt, did you have something you wanted to go to there? Um, yeah, I do have I do have a quick one because I, I see the clock behind your shoulder. Man, this hour went fast. Yeah. So uh, I, I ran across this story from the examiner today about uh, woke hiring practices at big companies. And uh, in this article, it's uh, it surveyed hiring managers and 27 percent of them admit to when they search an applicant's social media stuff, if they see any pro Trump postings their files, their their applications get uh, put in the old circular file that they will not hire anybody that is, is vocal enough to be on social media saying that they support Donald Trump. And, and I'll go to you, Rich, real quick for this. Uh, one of the excuses that's in here is they want to avoid office tiffs. Now, my question is, we Republicans, we Trump supporters, we mega people, we're not, we just want to make money. It's the left. They're going to lose their mind. So why, why do, why do our side get punished? Uh, you know, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I've been a, I've been a government employee my entire life, so I'm, I'm the big government welfare baby here. And while I haven't uh, I haven't gone into depth uh, with what exactly I do for the federal government, I am law enforcement. I've let that slip out, but it seemed pertinent to the discussion. Um, I remember about 10 years ago, some family members cautioning me uh, about some of the things that I posted on social media uh, because it was critical of the Obama administration and how they were handling certain issues uh, to my, you know, and I responded that 
you know, First Amendment, baby. I, I can write what I want, where I want, uh, whatever I want. And, you know, it felt good for four years of Trump. Because, well, you didn't have much to complain about because things were going fairly well. Um, and now we're seeing now there's there's a real threat that uh people in my line of work uh, voice their opinions on social media or on shows like this so we can't come out and expressly say what it is we do for a living because it, it, it who knows what could happen there and if some you know if i end up something happens i end up uh, going through some disciplinary proceedings for something completely unrelated but then this sort of stuff comes up it could be used against me uh, you know trying to get a fair shake yeah, but as far Absolutely. as the private sector goes, I, I'm I'm not sure why, you know, somebody would uh, prefer a, you know, a, a Biden advocate versus a former Trump advocate or a current Trump advocate. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. So Vince, so Vince, so further down, I'm reading. So mm-hmm. uh, there uh, of the of the potential employees at this job fair that they surveyed, forty point six percent said that if a company showed. Trump supporting leanings, they would not want to work there. So no matter how good the job is, no matter how 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 much money you can make, they're not going to do it strictly because of the Trump thing. And again, once again, here it is. We the mega people, we don't we just want to make the green. We just want to make money. We want your money. We want everybody's money. But the left, they're closed-minded. They're not all 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 accepting and, and as uh, tolerant as they like to say. But again, why are we getting punished? for the left's weakness, their weak-mindedness, their thin skin. Remember when when the uh, when social media first uh, started coming out and uh, we used to all warn our kids, be careful what you say on social media because you might have trouble getting into school or you're gonna have trouble getting a job later on in life and you guys share all of this stuff out there and I don't know why you share your entire life with everybody, but you've gotta be careful, it's gonna come back to haunt you. Well, well all of those people we warned, all the kids, they're all off of social media. I don't think they even uh, spend any time on Facebook or Twitter or anything like that anymore. So so really, it's like we have to heed our own warnings a little bit about what people take. And it's you can't it's you no longer can make the offhanded comment, uh, to, uh, especially on a social media platform, because no one takes it as uh, just a comment a thought uh, uh just a just a uh, you know maybe this maybe you actually want to start an intellectual conversation nobody takes it that way and and to kind of go full circle tonight with what we talked about for some reason corporate america is becoming so ingrained in this woke culture and and why because if not then if they if they don't come to the table and talk about uh voting laws in georgia they're going to be labeled by the media and by others as a racist they're going to be, you know, now yep. their company is going to be responsible for all the things that that all society's ills are going to be put right back on, on corporate America. So they've yep, kind of absolutely. fallen into the trap and it's circular. Yeah, yep. I'm going to I'm going to jump yep. in here because yeah, we're at 10 o'clock here. We're going to go just a couple minutes over because I really just want to get this uh, get your comments on this quickly. China um, is running out of food. They are uh, now the biggest customer of U.S. corn because they uh, used to get much of their corn from Ukraine and Ukraine isn't able to supply it. Plus, the Ukrainian relationship with China is deteriorating, so they're not buying as much there. So we're the U.S. is supplying a tremendous amount of uh, the Chinese uh, economy's corn. They're also uh, in desperate need of soybeans. Um, the Chinese uh, people can't produce enough food. This seems to be a tremendous 
bargaining chip for the United States as we move forward if we have somebody in that position that knows how to bargain. But the thing that I find very interesting is that one of the things that the Chinese Communist Party has done here is they've implemented a plan called Clean Plate. It's a, it's a program that uh, addresses Chinese citizens who have been shockingly and distressingly wasting food. They said that the campaign banned the controversial videos of people eating large meals. I don't know. I guess this is something on their social media. And it also requires catering companies to use technology to regulate exactly how much food people eat at private events. And it bans them from selling more food than the government's preferred amount for any group or of people uh, to eat. And the legislation has resulted from the campaign also requires restaurants to cover their establishments in government propaganda, browbeating patrons, patrons not to order too much food. Now, we don't have enough time to really get into that, but I just want you, Vince, quickly to replace the word food there and put energy in its place and think about LED bulbs, think about uh, uh, gas-guzzling EPA restrictions on cars, think about all this stuff, and what does it start to sound like? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, four years ago, we, we were in a major trade deficit with China. And, you know, you, everyone can say what they want about about the presidency of Donald Trump. Let me tell you, when it came to international relations and the position you put America back into, I would much rather be in a position where we're relying on China for televisions and electronics and light bulbs than us having to rely on China for our food. So I definitely think the tables have been turned to put America at a much stronger position when it comes to international trade with China. And that's huge. And that was a great accomplishment by the Trump administration. Quickly, Rich, put energy in place of food in that sentence. It starts to sound like edicts from Washington to me. Yeah, I don't think I can add anything that Vince didn't uh, didn't touch on right there. It's we were in a great position. And I mean, COVID and the media uh, coverage of COVID and tying it to Trump and in ways that would you know, it's like a twister game. Uh hard to uh, figure out where the truth started and the lies ended. Um, Britt, I'm going to ask. But I, yeah, yeah I, I, I couldn't add more. Okay. Well, again, nobody's no, taken, add more nobody's, nobody's really taken my bait here. Um, replace yeah. the word <laughs> food with energy. It does not sound very much different than what John Kerry is telling us, what, uh, you know, most deal. of the woke yeah, crowd right. is telling us why, you know, we look at this and we say, look at China, look at what the communist party is doing to their people, but we're suffering the same thing here or we're about to, but in the name of energy, yep. maybe instead of food. Yeah, the green, it's the green new deal, climate change, the whole nine yards. But let me, let me, let me deposit this on your lap there, uh, JV, uh, China and Russia have big meetings last week, Putin and Xing, yada, yada, yada. And all of a sudden, Russia's amassing troops on Ukraine border. And what is, where did China used to get a bunch of corn from? The Ukraine. And man, gee, if the Russians just invade and take over, hey, Putin's got a place to sell that corn and make a lot of money. Oh, and just, oh, oh, <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was, I was coming. I to get the one. <laughs> but hey, it's not, it's not far-fetched. No, not it's it's not. This is all interrelated, obviously, and uh, it all has to be watched. Listen, guys, we went over time. Thank you to our audience for being very, very patient and sticking with us. We appreciate you being here. Please subscribe. Please share. We need to break this throttle that YouTube has put us under, and we need to uh, to let people know about the program. If you haven't been to our Rumble channel, please go over there and also follow that. That helps us out a lot as a backup in case the YouTube thing completely crashes and burn burns. Vince. Rich, thanks, guys. Looking forward to having you back already. You do a great job, provide a lot of great insight. But that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for being Thank here. You. We'll see you next time.
Later, guys.